Good morning. Welcome, everyone. If you're new or visiting, so glad you're with us today. And if you're wondering about these chairs, don't worry, I'm going to give them back right after this, uh, this Sunday morning. We've been in a series called Starting Lines forever. Well, just for this year, just since January 1. And so we're going to talk about that for a minute. But I borrowed these from our kids downstairs. They need them back. And so I'm going to give them, uh, give them back after this. But we've been through this. This is our last day for Starting Lines before we move into a season of Lent. And so the whole idea is that we believe that every next step in your faith journey is a new starting line. And so it goes kind of like this. There's a guy named Dr. Dan Spader. I got to be in on a Zoom uh, kind of course with him and some other pastors on our district. And he noticed this uh, as he was pastoring and reading through the Gospels that there's these four chairs, he calls them, of discipleship. And the first one is seeker or the idea that Jesus says to a person, come and see. Or perhaps you say to someone else as you're inviting them, come and see, and you get to check out Jesus. So how it starts in Scripture is that Andrew, that's Simon Peter's brother, he and someone else were, were kind of stalking. They were walking behind Jesus, and Jesus turned and is like, what do you want? And they were kind of, it was awkward. It was an awkward encounter. Um, and they were like, oh, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said, come and see. And so they started out their journey there. Well, when he looked at some other disciples, uh, after they had the opportunity to come and see, he said, follow me and be my disciple. And we've learned that that means uh, actually follow and obey me. And so someone could become a believer in Jesus in that moment. It doesn't end there. Just a few weeks ago, we talked about the encounter where he's walking along the shore. He sees a couple brothers who are fishing, and he actually says to them, come follow me. I'm going to show you how to fish for people. He goes a little bit further up the shore, sees another couple brothers who are with their father. Well, when he says the same thing to them, what did they do? They left their nets. They left their boats, uh, their, their boat, and they left their father behind, and they started out on that journey. Well, this last one, uh, it can't end at, at two. It can't end at three. It can't end um, in, until you're someone who is making other disciples. So disciple maker is that, that final spot where we believe Jesus, after he was risen from the dead, he went, he met with his disciples in Galilee, and he said to them, listen, I've been given all authority, and so go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey everything I've commanded you. Be sure of this, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so this is the idea of, of moving through some Someone could start out to see Jesus, come and see him, but we want to see people believe in Jesus and trust in the way that I said it just a few weeks ago, is that it's not just like, okay, I believe that he exists, but it's kind of like a leaning into Jesus, like I trust that he's going to catch me kind of thing. What we've noticed, this is something that we picked up on uh, last March, is that there's something kind of in between that, that begins to happen as you're taking, as you're ready to take seat two, that you realize Jesus is the king, he's the one true king forever, and that we love him. And so there's something that changes in your heart there. Once you love your king, you realize you have to love the things and the people he loves. So we love our church. That's us right here and beyond. It's so much bigger than just this room. And it can't stop there. It continues to expand. And so you begin to love your city. That's our, our community and beyond. It needs to go beyond because we have a couple from our church right now serving in Bahamas all week. And so uh, that's awesome. And, and we're going to continue uh, to love not just our king, not just our church. Please do those things, but our, our city and beyond. And so this is where we're at. We realized just a couple weeks ago as we've been looking forward that there are moments where Maybe you feel like, yeah, I, I can take him at his word, and I, I can trust him here, but then sometimes when we feel God's calling us to something, we're like, I'm just going to wait for a minute. I'm going to delay, 
And if we stall for too long, we get stuck. And we've realized that although we can see that, that God's up to something in, in different places at, at Asbury, there, there's something incredible happening there right now. And we want to see that. But if we haven't dealt with the thing back here, we can't get there. We need to surrender fully to God. That's the idea. But we have noticed that when people get unstuck, they go back to the thing God already asked them to do. Sometimes it's as simple as repentance. That's the message where it's actually as though we're going in one direction and we hear the good news. We, we know that we can respond to God and, and we're turning away from sin. We're turning away from our previous life, not to nothing, but to someone. We're going to turn around, not 360. That's getting a little too excited. We're going to do a 180. We're going to turn to Jesus and, and he's done everything possible for us to be forgiven of our sins, for us to come to him. He's calling us to him. And so sometimes it's as simple as that. Or sometimes I've seen this, that people get into seat two and they're like, I'm, I'm good to go. Or actually, uh, my grandpa or my grandma, they were in seat two, so I automatically get uh, kind of grandfathered in. It doesn't actually work that way. You actually have to start with come and see. And then there's this opportunity when you sense Jesus saying to you, come, follow me, be my disciple. Well, that's just the starting line. But anyway, through here, we've been noticing whether it's baptism. We had someone get baptized just a few weeks ago, and it was an awesome celebration. We moved uh, kind of the backdrop there. We filled a tank. We made sure that it was about 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, that's, that's decent. It's better than the river right now. And, uh, and we baptized someone. But no matter what it was, there's some private things behind closed doors dealing with forgiveness or someone deciding, I'm, I'm going to trust God with my finances. I'm going to start giving. Or, or whatever the thing might be, people are starting to build momentum in following and trusting Jesus. So we're believing that we can actually build momentum together as we continue to say, yes, now what was the question? Because we're believing that following Jesus it's actually better. What we're moving towards, actually who we're moving towards is better than what we're leaving behind. And so that's where we're at. So we're going into the season of Lent. That's why we're going to leave these, these chairs. We're going to put them downstairs, and we're going to start kind of a new s series, a new season. And so what's exciting about this is uh, you, you heard Brad allude to it a moment ago. Well, we're going to have a Lent Bible reading plan together that we're encouraging you to participate in. And so you can start by actually following us in, in version. I've been using version for a while. You can use it on, on one of your devices. You can use it on your computer. Uh, don't worry if, if you're uh, someone who you don't have the internet. We have a few uh, of our loved ones in here who, who don't at this point. We've printed a few of these. And if you don't get to one uh, before they're, they're gone, let us know, and we'll print more for Tuesday, either Tuesday morning or, or Tuesday night for the either Seniors Connect or, or for our uh, pancake dinner. But the idea here is that it's an opportunity for us to, to read through Scripture together. We've checked this out together as a team, and, and so it's going to start on Wednesday. That's, um, so after, you know, what, is, what do they call it? Fat Tuesday sometimes, you know, we're, we're going to fatten up with our pancakes, but then we're going to fast for 40 days, right? Right? No? Okay. Uh, some of us are. And so the idea is that we're, we're going to do this together. And by the end of, of this time, when we reach Easter weekend, we would have read through the Gospel of Mark together and, and a lot of other scripture as well. There's going to be devotionals. And Sundays are off because we expect to be here and learn the word. But we're going to see how this weaves in and out uh, of our activities on, on Sundays and Tuesdays and, uh, and other days that we're gathering together. So that's pretty exciting for me. Lent is 40 days. It's a little bit more than 40, actually, because of the Sundays. 
And there's this idea of in the wilderness. And so maybe you've thought of it before and you thought of what am I going to give up? So I, I made a little note of sub and add. You have to actually subtract something to add something. And so sometimes you think about only subtracting something. Well, what we're adding, uh, so for instance, maybe there's something that you can eliminate from your daily routine in order to take on a little bit extra reading. And so if it's reading one chapter, uh, we're, we're talking as little as two minutes, maybe five minutes. So is there something that you can kind of eliminate to make room for that? Um, so ju just for the record, there was one year, it was like 10 years ago, I gave up coffee for Lent. I'm not a doctor. But your loved ones told me, don't do that this late. Like, you know, uh, Kelsey would not appreciate if I gave up coffee this year because she has to put up with me. Um, so I, I, I did it. Somehow I survived, but just barely. Uh, so that might not be the thing for you. But whatever it is, I'm, I'm thinking about things, some extra things that I can say, I don't need this. This isn't helping me on my journey right now. I'm going to leave this thing behind because I'm going to pick up more here, and we're going to do that together. So we encourage you to consider, not just consider, just do it. That's, that's a good idea. If, you're, if this is your first day, welcome. You can start reading the Bible with us starting, start today. We're going to start today, but, but Wednesday is the start of this plan. So we invite you to do that, and uh, we'll remind you of that at the end of service. Let's get into the context here. So as we're finishing starting lines and we're beginning a season of Lent, I thought this was timely. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 4. This account is also in Luke chapter 4. It's very similar. And it says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Because wouldn't you become very hungry? I, I, I noted that because I thought that's interesting that he became... No? You guys with me? <laughs> Sorry. You guys need some coffee and then don't, don't give it up on Sunday mornings. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus said, told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the te temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say... He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him up to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Father, we thank you uh, once again for uh, these few moments we have together uh, with, with you and, and with each other now as we've entered into your presence. We've had an opportunity to, to worship you, to, to acknowledge your presence, to pray. And now as we're looking at your word and getting ready for uh, a transition of season here, we just pray that you would have your way as we've already declared in a song how we want to surrender to you. In this time, we surrender our, our attention. We, we want you to uh, be speaking to us. Um, please speak through me uh, through, by your Holy Spirit now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And so here's our context. You can see how there's probably a starting line for us here. But remember the finish line? I, I said even on our first day of the series, the finish line is actually when you get to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus in this context, uh, what just happened, it says, then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Well, the wilderness is an interesting kind of concept, and that's kind of setting up a, a Lent season for us. Well, John the Baptist was clearing the way. John the Baptist, we don't know where he lived other than in the wilderness. That was kind of the nondescript uh, term for him. And so he's declaring the good news. He's clearing the way for the Lord, for Jesus to come. And then Jesus, after this, uh, this baptism that's accounted in all four gospel accounts, this moment where it's very clear that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on him, you hear the Father speak words saying that this is my son whom I dearly love. He hasn't even started his ministry yet, and he's already on this spiritual high. And then Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And the, the point I want you to see is that, and then the gospel came out. And so the gospel actually goes in and comes out of the wilderness. If you're in a wilderness moment right now, uh, trust that, that God can meet you there and he can, he can bring you out of that as well. Uh, one commentator mentioned that there was no time to linger in the glory of baptism. Hearing that voice and, and confirming that Jesus is the Son of God, as you then hear um, the devil kind of bring this up, if you are the Son of God, well, it's already confirmed. Why would we start to test this now? And Jesus has a response time and again. But notice the parallels here, and there's many more that we won't get into today because we're not doing a seminar, but the idea of, of, of there's Moses and there's Jesus, both actually came out of Egypt. Isn't it interesting when we're reading at Christmas time and we see that uh, the, the parents of Jesus had to actually escape. There was something going on that was quite severe, and, and, and you'll hear that again next December, but the idea that they actually went as far as Egypt but then God's calling them back out of Egypt, and Moses was called out of Egypt. Um, Moses, he crosses the Red Sea. Well, it might not be a direct parallel, but, but the baptism in the Jordan River is significant as well. There's wilderness, not just Moses, all the people in, in the wilderness for 40 years, and then here Jesus going for, for 40 days. Uh, Moses receives the law from a mountain, well, actually, Jesus gives the law from the mountain. The Sermon on the Mount is the, the longest discourse we have of Jesus in, in, in Scripture. Think about the manna that was received, Mo, Moses and the people. Uh, but then Jesus here, they're talking about bread. And, but really, what I've honed in on, although we could talk about temptation, although we could talk about many other things, it's really about dependence on God. And so that's where I want us to kind of land in the end of our series here. Dependence on God whether we're in the wilderness now or we're about to go into it even figuratively during Lent, is that we would be dependent on God. But as I was studying, and I, I've thought about this a, a lot, uh, I went to Bible school, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pastor, uh, I study this. Sometimes I've found that people think we're in Matthew today, Matthew is, uh, you know, in, in order of how it appears in our Bibles. Um, that's the, the first account in the New Testament. Some people think that all we really need as Christians is, is this much of the Bible, this last little bit. But the more I study and the more I, I understand, the more I see, I want you to think of it this way. What if to understand the context of the gospel is to understand it as a completion of what God began in Israel's history? 
So what if the Old Testament is actually pointing towards Jesus, which I think it is. I'm not, I don't need to convince you of that. I just think that that's true. And so the more I read, the more I see how things are pointing um, kind of back and forth. You start to see references that maybe didn't stand out before. Even as I read through the Psalms every day, I see this is either at least foreshadowing or, or alluding to something in the, in the future. And so understanding is that, that Jesus is bringing something brand new, but he's fulfilling something that God had set up many, many years before. And so understand the gospel in that context is that actually all of Scripture points towards and, and, and to Jesus and, and what that will mean for us. Just continuing some of the parallels here uh, when it comes to 40, that number 40 it seems to be significant with struggle. Um, Israel, 40 years in the wilderness. You can read Deuteronomy chapter 8 for that. Moses, 40 days on Mount Sinai. You can read Exodus 34 for that. What about even Elijah? Uh, I almost forgot about that. Led uh, to, it was actually 40 days to Sinai in, in 1 Kings 19. But each of these, what's unique and what maybe we can glean from it today in our moments together is that this is a proving ground. This is a test of faithfulness. And it's a promise of deliverance. And in case you missed that, I don't know if you're taking notes, but it's a proving ground. And, and so th this is an opportunity um, really to, to be proven, uh, a test of faithfulness. Really, what we're singing about today is that God is faithful. That, that's, there's no question there. But also that we have the opportunity to be faithful back. But also in all of these cases that there would be a promise of deliverance. And so what I've noticed and what I want to encourage you with today is that God uses the wilderness to prepare us for his purpose. That's the, that's the point. That's really what we're trying to do here. And what I'm trying to show you is, is not original to me, but this kind of framework of, of where do we start? And we're noticing that there's micro steps in between. And so if you get to seat number two and you're deciding, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be your disciple. Well, that's an active thing. There's nothing passive. You don't just take a seat. I won't take a seat right now because remember... We're kind of scared that I might break that. But uh, anyway, but the next step would be baptism. You would actually trust Jesus with that. You're, you're being obedient in that. Maybe there's something else like giving. Maybe, maybe it's today you're realizing, you know what? I'm going to start reading my Bible every day, and, and I'm going to get into that. Maybe it's committing to, to being part of the church, and you realize that you're going to start serving when you get to seat three. Spader calls it worker, but it's that that premise that Jesus said to fishermen, and you don't have to be a fisherman for this to apply to you, but he's saying, I'm going to show you how to fish for people, and, and we can actually serve one another. There's people right now with our, our kids serving. Thankfully, they're, they're doing that, but as, as Brad mentioned, there's never going to be a shortage of work. Remember, we were just praying a couple weeks ago that, you know, the workers are few, um, and we need to pray the Lord who's in charge of the harvest to send more workers out. And so let's continue to pray for that. And so as we continue on, we realize that we actually, not only do we need to become a disciple, but we need to become a disciple maker, someone who's helping others on the journey to become more like Jesus. Not just to get in another seat, but to grow closer to Jesus. If we're to obey the things he's commanded us, he has a purpose for us, and he needs to get us ready for something. And so he uses wilderness seasons to prepare us for his purpose. Is this good? 
If you've not been in the wilderness, I, I asked a few people privately this week, and I won't throw them under the bus here, but as I was reflecting on the wilderness, not just as a place like in nature, but as, as, as a time in your life, either a short or long season, sometimes, unfortunately, it's more than 40 days, sometimes it might be 40 years, but words like silent or silence is in there, um, isolated or isolation is another word in there. This, this word stood out, brutal. Wilderness can be brutal. Um, and to quote someone else, a letdown, or just simply let down. Um, you, you've been seeing God do these amazing things, and then all of a sudden, you know, imagine just the letdown that, that many in our congregation are dealing with even right now. But the, the helpful part is that it shapes you. Unfortunately, one way or the other, it will shape you. Uh, but will you allow God to shape you in the correct way to, to be used for his purpose? About David, he's someone that was no stranger to wilderness. Mark Sayer says his isolation, although undoubtedly painful, distanced him from others, yet brought him close to God. I don't know about in your moments, but for me, I've been through a few. I, I decided not to get into specifics today. It might be too close to home. I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. Uh, but I've been through the wilderness a few times. Uh, not fun. Uh, although sometimes it, it has distanced me from others, it's brought me close to God. And so uh, you, don't, you shouldn't always be removed from other people. I think life is better when we do it together for God's kingdom. But what he's getting at here is that that, that was a, a moment for, for David, and there was more than one in his uh, life too, where actually he was brought closer to God than ever before. Henry Nouwen says, the wilderness is this place of great struggle and great encounter. I kind of like that. There's this great struggle, but also great encounter. Sometimes we only want to see one side and not the other. Some think, oh, there's, there's just roses in the wilderness. It's pretty. Uh, no, it's rough. It's brutal. You know, it's, it's both. Uh, but in this kind of situation, Jesus finds himself in. He's led by the Spirit after this, this monumental moment where um, who he is, this is confirmed to, to everyone. Remember John the Baptist he felt like the Lord was saying to him, the one on whom you see the Holy Spirit descend like a dove and rest, that's the one. He's, he's the Messiah. And John said, I, I saw that. I was there. I baptized him. So I can testify. He's the chosen one of God. He's the Messiah. You can trust him. And so at that moment, many of John, John had his own disciples. They start following Jesus. And John's all for that because his whole purpose in the wilderness was to point people to Jesus. Thankfully, he did that. But here, Jesus, he is, he's fatigued, he's, he's hungry, and then this temptation comes in. And so I had this thought of like, here there's this opportunity, there's both weakness and there's isolation. And so this is an opportunity for, for temptation. And if you notice, it's a little bit different. Um, the, the order was surprisingly different as I compared Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. There's a little bit of a difference between them, but, but both start with bread, this idea of, of just a physical need that, that you have, and it would have been a practical one as we joked. Yeah, after 40 days of fasting, I think you would be hungry too, right? And so here, it, it, it seems like such an innocent thing, but remember, there, there's kind of a tone to it. If you are the Son of God, do this thing. He's testing him even in that. 
because Jesus is, is weak and he's isolated. And, and then the next thing here is actually regarding the temple. And so there, there's something there, maybe even spiritually speaking, maybe even having to do uh, with 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 him being the Christ, the Son of God. And then finally, with uh, the kingdom or kingdoms, you know, the devil's kind of saying, like, look, I'll, if you just worship me, I'll, I'll offer all of this uh, to you. And he's testing this one who we believe is the one true king, and he's going to prove himself uh, on the cross and through the resurrection. But in this moment, um, we, you know, it's, it's a complicated issue to say, like, could he have uh, done that or, or not? Well, he's, he's feeling it either way. There's this physical and there's this spiritual. And if you noticed in, in the, one of the temptations, um, the accuser, he, he comes in and actually says, for the scriptures say, and he's quoting scripture. We dealt with this a little bit. Uh, we talked about it, I think, in a staff meeting earlier this week about how there's a difference between quote quoting scripture and, and applying scripture. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, we've seen it be weaponized or, or used in an inappropriate way, or even the interpretation is, is unfortunately uh, stretched a little further from the, the intended purpose or, or how the Holy Spirit is discerning for us now. And so notice this. So the devil himself says, for the scriptures say, and then he inserts a verse, he plucks one out and, and uses it. But then in red letters, I see in, in, in my Bible here that Jesus says, the scriptures also say. And so the Lord, if you look at, at the footnotes in your Bible as you're studying, you're probably going to see that Deuteronomy keeps coming up. And so again, it's, it's coming back to actually the fifth book um, in, in the Old Testament. And so there's, there's a purpose here. And as he continues to go back, um, the header, headers weren't there in the original, um, but, but in here, there's this call to remember and obey. Um, and in, in, in chapter 6, it's a call for wholehearted commitment. And so Jesus here quoting this scripture um, is, is able to say, you must not test the Lord your God. That's Deuteronomy 6, 16. And Ken here writes, our inappropriate application of scripture might well constitute a test of God. Sometimes we might not realize that we're participating in that. It's dangerous to just open your Bible and, and point at something and say, that's the one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to. And so it actually takes some discernment. It takes even a community. It definitely takes the Holy Spirit to uh, illuminate this to us. I love coming to Psalm 119 um, and, and reading it, it's, it's one that if you were to read it at, at an average pace, it might take you 15 to 20 minutes. Um, but it, it's a beautiful, it's, it's, I guess, the longest psalm that, that we have. And there's so much about the, the law. There's so much about the word. And I, I love, maybe this comes to mind to some of you. Verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so we're using Jesus as an example here, but, but in this, have we done that? Have we hidden his word in our hearts? So rather than just checking off from Wednesday until Easter Sunday that you've 
you've read a plan, what if you were taking a verse, um, not even every day, but even every couple days to meditate on and to, to reflect on so that you're both growing closer to God, but you're also being prepared. You, you want to get closer to God as you're thinking of this framework. What if this is, is something new and fresh where you're dependent on God, you're believing not just that you, you're not going to just live on bread as, as Jesus was quoting, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you're considering this the word of God, then you'll be fed in that way. And so as we're getting ready to close, I want to talk about that opportunity to maybe memorize and maybe meditate on Scripture, but obviously with discernment from the Holy Spirit. I want to take you to one more verse, and the reason this is valuable to me, uh, we were meeting, uh, the local board of administration was meeting the other day, Wednesday night, and I just shared that I checked, and it's been over a thousand days in a row that I've read this exact verse, and so... It's, it's not about me, it's more about, it, it was very um, timely in March 2020. I don't know if anything was going on for you guys in that exact uh, moment, but for me, this was timely. And, and in my version app, I'll often highlight something, and I joked about how so, sometimes I'll go back and it'll be like before I... I knew how to color code and things like this, but sometimes if it has to do with finances or, or giving, I might do, you know, green. And sometimes I'll, I'll do something if it has to do with baptism or the Holy Spirit, I might do blue. Like just for instance, if it has to do with the Messiah and, and different prophecy, it might be like orange or something like that. Anyway, you, you do you. I'm not going to teach you how to do that. But I noticed that this verse, it, it popped out to me. I had read it for, you know, 10 years in a row, and I just hadn't highlighted it yet, and all of a sudden, I felt like I needed to highlight this. It's in Psalm 73, verse 26, and it reads, my health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. And so I, I read it every day, every morning. It, it's, if not the first thing I read, it's the second and so every day I, I read it, and I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll read that again tomorrow. And sometimes I, I reflect on it a little bit later. And, and by the way, in the message, it says, when my skin sags and my bones get brittle, he is rock firm and faithful. So if your birthday's coming up and I send you a, a nice verse, <laughs> it's scripture. It's don't worry. Don't, don't, don't take that too personally. But when my health may fail, see, it was timely, and it still is. My health may fail. I may go through the wilderness. I may become weak. My spirit may grow weak for sure, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. And so I, I felt like that was appropriate to share with you before we close in worship, before we close a series, before we start something new. As I was reflecting on that temptation that Jesus endured, no, people do not live by bread alone. That helps to bring strength back. That helps to nourish. We do need to eat. But remember, even the point of the manna is that God provides, that you can be dependent on him and, and not on just physical things, although we are in this physical world. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so I want to challenge you with this. The question that I was left with that was kind of a, ooh, this week as I've been preparing is, do I want God more than I want what he provides for me? 
do I want God more than I want the things that he can offer? Do I want a relationship with him above all else? Do I want to be so dependent on him that everything else is not even a close second? We want something from God. He has something for us. I don't want to confuse this. He is our Savior. But what I mean is, do we just want what we can get from God rather than wanting God himself? There is a difference. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. When all else fades, he will be all I have. If I go through the wilderness again, I can rely on him. It can be a proving ground of my relationship with him, a test of his faithfulness. No, it's a test of my faithfulness back to him. A promise of deliverance. Yeah, he actually has a promise for us. But it's not just what we receive from him. It's to be with him. Do I want God more than I want what he can offer me? That is the challenge. Father, we commit this time to you as, as we reflect and as we look at your word and, and believe that you have instruction for us at this time. Um, we need you, not just what you provide for us. And so as we get ready to sing, let us continue to reflect and, and, and gaze on, on you in this moment. We thank you so much for what you've done for us. And we thank you for these examples. And we thank you for how your word nourishes us. And so at this time, we just, we ask for more of you. We commit our, ourselves to you and, and we turn from where we were, not to nothing, but to you. And so as we surrender now, uh, may we sense your presence in a fresh way. May we be met even in our wilderness moments. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.